This episode of the Fresh Start Family Show is brought to you by our Quick Start Learning Bundle, how to build a compassionate, firm, and kind discipline toolkit that works with kids of all ages. Head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your Quick Start Bundle so you can get going today on building up a strong, compassionate, discipline toolkit in your home. Well, hello, listeners. I'm so excited that you are here for another new episode. This one is a good one, you guys. Um, This conversation with Roma Norris is so life-giving. Roma is a hand-in-hand parenting educator, and she's talking to us today about complex trauma, which I first found um, Roma's work when I found an article of hers about complex trauma, and the subset was why parenting is so effing hard. (laughs) And I was just like, oh my gosh, I love this um, woman. We need to chat. So having her on the show is really special. She is just such a soft-hearted, incredibly wise, and just genuinely um, incredible person. And this conversation is really life-giving, and it was very impactful for me to learn a little bit more about complex trauma and why it's important for us to understand what it is, how most of us have, you know, many of us have complex trauma from our own childhoods and how that really can affect our parenting, um, especially if we're always feeling like we're triggered by certain things or we're unable to stay calm in certain situations. Uh, What Roma speaks to us today um, about is really, really going to help you and help us all. So uh, enjoy this episode. And remember, um, it is always best practice if you make sure that you are subscribed or that you follow our show over on iTunes. So make sure you have pushed that little button so you get notified each week when we have new episodes drop. We um, love to produce this free content for you guys. And when you follow and like our show, it really helps us in the iTunes world as well as leaving us a review. So if you love this episode, if you love any of our episodes and you are blessed by the Fresh Start Family Show, if you could take an extra you know, two to three minutes is usually all it takes to leave a review, we would be so, so appreciative. So Thank you so much for listening. We love you all and enjoy this episode. Well, hey there, I'm Stella. Welcome to my mom and dad's podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show. We're so happy you're here. We're inspired by the ocean, Jesus, and rock and roll, and believe deeply in the true power of loving kindness. Together, we hope to inspire you to expand your heart learn new tools, and strengthen your family. Enjoy the show. Well, hey there, families, and welcome to a new episode of the Fresh Start Family Show. I am so excited to be here with Roma Norris. Good morning, Roma. Oh, hi, Wendy. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, I should say good afternoon. You are over in England, huh? It's almost <laughs> e- almost evening there. <laughs> yeah. Kids have come back from school already. Nice. Uh, Very cool. Well, Roma this evening, families, is going to be talking to us about complex trauma and why parenting is so effing hard. (laughs) And I love this subject so much. And I know you have so much wisdom to bring to the table. So this is going to be really good. So Nora is a hand-in-hand parenting instructor, uh, instructor specializing in turning around unworkable family situations where nothing else has worked. 
She is a mom of two living in Somerset and consults, teaches, and writes internationally about parenting, intimacy, listening, and relationships. And specifically today, listeners, um, she is going to tell us, um, give us kind of an understanding of complex trauma and how it might be cropping up in your life. Um, Second, she'll talk to us about ways our trauma patterns sabotage our parenting and how we can work with them. And then lastly, practical guidance on how to recover from the impact of trauma on your day-to-day life. But before we get started, Roma, will you just tell us a little bit more about you? Um, how old are your kids? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, a little bit more about where you live because it is beautiful. And then also how you became so passionate about helping families and specifically um, what you like to, to specialize in. Great. Thanks, Wendy. Um, yeah, so I do live in Froome in Somerset, which is a really funky town mm. um, in uh, just a gorgeous county. It's kind of very lush and green and hilly. Um, we do miss the beach. We don't have that so close and like mm. you guys do. Um, and yes, uh, the way that I got into teaching this stuff is via trauma. Um, initially most pressingly my sons and he is he's 12 now um, when he was really little he was in a in a really uh, distressed place and it was very very challenging um, and um, yeah uh, thankfully having found the hand-in-hand parenting approach I don't know if you're familiar with that you must have come across it Yes, I have. I've had, I've interviewed a few positive parenting educators who that is their training. I love how there are so many different trainings now um, to empower, um, you know, instructors how to teach families. So it it sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, there's a few of us globally now and you're, you're right in the area. Uh, They're based in Palo Alto. Oh, nice. Are you in California? I'm in California. Yeah. 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 Wonderful. and so, yes, yeah, so I have two kids, my 12-year-old boy and my nine-year-old girl. And um, uh, something I should actually let you know, uh, which is kind of relevant, um, that I've actually been really sick for about 11 months now. Mm-hmm. I've been chronically ill with a functional neurological condition. And mm-hmm. the reason I want to tell you this is because it's really impacted on my executive function. So my ability to kind of like prioritize information and like the normal kind of flow of speaking to you is all interrupted. So if I kind of go off on a tangent or miss something really glaringly obvious, maybe you can help me out by bringing me back. (laughs) Oh, I'd be happy to. Oh my goodness. Yes, for sure. It's, actually trauma related this condition uh in the days of freud they used to label this kind of thing hysteria Mm. Um, so when your uh your trauma and the sort of impact of your psychological uh state uh impacts on your neurology and you have these kind of neurological symptoms as a result so it's it's not a mental health issue it's actually physiological but it's very much um triggered by by stress and uh by probably what we'd label complex trauma um so so yeah that's uh i suppose why i have an interest in this particular aspect of parenting because uh i have had to figure this stuff out for myself and i'm still very much in the process of doing that yes Um, Mm. yeah 
So I could say a little bit about what what complex trauma is and how that shows up, if, if that's helpful. Yes, that is so helpful. And I just love this subject matter specifically in the time that we're in right now, because I think Gosh, trauma is a word that's I'm starting to learn more so much more about and it's so fascinating and it, it feels like a whole lot of us have a lot more trauma in our lives than we ever really realize. So yeah, let's start off with that, Roma. What is what is complex trauma? Um, I, I had a dear friend, uh, my friend Chrissy Powers was on our, our show where she talked about trauma. I don't know if you've, yes, if you've heard that. Yes, yes, and she's amazing. And, and it helped me to understand a little bit, but I'm excited to learn more with you today. So let's start off with that. And then I would love to hear um, a little bit more about what you mean when you say you had trauma with your son or he had mm. a lot of distress. Because I'm, I'm wondering if it's got a lot of similarities to my own story with my own daughter, uh-huh. which is why I became a positive uh-huh. thinker educator. So yeah, let's start off with what is, um, help us have an understanding of complex trauma and how it might be cropping up in our lives. Mm, Yeah. Teach what you need, they say, don't they? It's no accident that most of us who now help other families have had some uh, kind of journey with that ourselves. Um, So complex trauma is so prevalent. I think it often gets missed and labeled as other things or um, we just assume that this is just part of part of life, part of parenting. Um, the way that it often shows up could be even in pregnancy, uh, when you're expected to be all kind of glowy and, you know, delighted and rosy, and actually you're really, really struggling and a lot of fears coming up or you're feeling really anxious or isolated. Um, or it might kick off in the postnatal period, and I think it often gets kind of um, labelled as postnatal depression. Um, but I'd be really curious to explore how much of those cases are actually complex trauma being triggered by the transition to becoming a parent. Mm. Um, so other feelings that come up through parenting like really a strong sense of isolation um, or just you feel like you're wading through mud with your kids every day every minute feels like hours and it just feels so hard and you're not enjoying it Um, all of that could be related to complex trauma Um, Even if you just have a sense of being kind of heavy um, in a certain aspect of your parenting or since you became a parent or since your child was X age um, or if you are sort of like irritable and you don't know why. Um, So complex trauma, unlike, for example, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, where we have a a scary experience and then often the body trying to recover from that experience um, through periods of anxiety and flashbacks and maybe frightening dreams or something like that. Um, Complex trauma gets laid down usually in quite early childhood and it's the sort of day in day out um things being not quite safe something being scary in your home or maybe even just a lack of 
warmth or upholding from your caregivers. Um, so sometimes the kind of the lack of what we receive can be just as traumatic as the frightening experiences that happen to us. Um, and it's more rather than a kind of one-off scary event or a period of things being difficult, it's more like insidious day in, day out, uh, long-standing kind of um, yeah, lack of feeling safe effectively. Um, and this kind of gets stored in the body until we get to a place where we have enough support and we are resourced enough, we feel safe enough that we are ready to recover. And the body is really good at doing that. It's really good at noticing when there is enough safety and resource and automatically um, going into recovery mode. Um, and what can often happen is that um, we get reminded of our really early experiences. And often this comes about through parenting, through um, being reminded of even just like the gestures that our children are doing or the kind of words that they use or the types of behaviors, the types of caretaking or um, games that we might play with our kids or activities remind us unconsciously of what it was like for us when we were that age. Yeah. Um, so we can get uh, pulled into these kind of trauma flashbacks. And unlike PTSD flashbacks where maybe, I don't know, you're a war veteran and a loud noise yeah. goes off and you're reminded of, I don't know, bombs or shells or whatever, um, this would be harder to detect and more kind of pervasive, uh, less tangible, just periods where you feel a bit wonky and your thinking is kind of distorted and um, you're more fearful or anxious than usual or more irritable or sort of depressed or you feel really stuck with something or you just, even though you've got loving, warm relationships around you, you can't feel anyone with you. Um, yeah. Does that does that resonate? Is that something yes, you've experienced? I have a thousand questions and yes, yes, yes. So, um, so just to summarize a little bit. So it, it is so interesting to, to re as I learn more about trauma to reframe my thought process around trauma, because it has always thought like it's almost silly to use the word like when literally there are men and women that come home from Afghanistan or Vietnam who have lost legs, right? Like, mm -hmm. to, it almost seems like to, to, to say that I've, I've had trauma in my life feels like, I can't even say that word. So as I'm, I'm learning more about um, complex trauma versus like, um, so is it is it accurate to say that this is, Christy described it as um, trauma A and trauma B. And trauma A was like the the crap that happened to you, like gnarly, maybe, or that mm -hmm. happened to you. And then trauma B can be everything that you're describing. And is that what you're using as a synonym for complex trauma, where it's it's a little bit, um, you know, it's the stuff that you didn't get necessarily, or um, the stuff that wasn't necessarily the car accident or um, losing a parent, but it was still stuff that it's still crap. 
Is that is that an accurate way to look at it? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's more uh, like the kind of stuff that was just like taken for granted in your family that nobody questioned right. the status quo. Like, dad would get really angry or. Um, mom was drinking or everyone was a bit too depressed and preoccupied to really notice what you needed or beautiful um, okay that helps me yeah I mean it could even be the death of a parent and or the death of somebody important and then the impact of that which was probably more long-standing than say the impact of say a car accident or a hospitalization or something which would be more in the category of kind of normal PTSD yeah, and it's anything that it, it and is this accurate too, Roma? It's anything that ev- kind of evokes that feeling of being unsafe, where you get put into that fight or flight mode of like, oh gosh, I got to protect myself here. And again, we're talking a lot about childhood stuff because that that is a lot of it where it stems from, right? Um, but yes. it, is that accurate of like anything that sends you into like, oh no, I'm not safe. I've got to like protect myself somehow that is what can create, that is a definition of trauma. Absolutely. And I mean, it seems incomparable if you think about people who have been through real horrors and, um, you know, had really frightening experiences and you're thinking about complex trauma where maybe, I don't know, just you didn't get enough warmth and cuddles and praise and upholding. Um, And it, it doesn't even seem like you could put those in the same two categories except for, Actually, as children, we really rely on that warmth and upholding. We need it. It's so fundamental to our development. So during these kind of critical periods where we are actually kind of more helpless, we're reliant on our caregivers to give us what we need. And there's a strong feeling of powerlessness associated with not being able to access the resources that you need. And the impact of that can be just as debilitating as, say, a war veteran's experience, for example. Yes. Does hand-in-hand parenting, um, do you guys learn Dreikers-based psychology, too, about needs like belonging and power and um, the need to feel valuable and the need to, or is it kind of a different... um, different base I'm not actually familiar with that model did you say Dreikers oh yeah Dr. Rudolf Dreikers so I was just thinking of like the needs that you know many of us didn't get um when we were younger um and so we kind of focus on the the basic needs of the human the human being is um to to have a sense of belonging to have a sense of unconditional love um to feel valuable to feel valuable uh, to feel powerful all of those are like kind of those basic needs that when a human being doesn't have those or feels like um, they're, they don't have the resources that they need, that it can feel really scary and cause misbehavior. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. Okay. So that, that is so helpful to learn about that. And then I'm kind of fast forwarding in my brain. Cause of course, as you're speaking, I'm processing kind of everything that I went through um, when I was right. growing up and, you know, would you have anything just to add Nora uh, wisdom here for parents? I know it kind of, I feel it in myself and I know other parents do too. When you, when you are thinking about this, especially when you're thinking about your own childhood and Mm. you love your parents so much Mm. and it's like, I want to, I want to encourage listeners with something to the effect of like, it is not disrespectful or, um, 
you know, a slap in the face to to discuss these type of things, because I think we all are going to leave wounds on our kids. That's something I've learned. That's Mm -hmm. so beautiful. Like, no matter how hard you try, nobody is perfect. And everybody, um, you know, our parents had a different set of tools and a different support system than we do now, you know, 30, 40 years later in this world, in land of information exchange that we so beautifully have, where I can sit um, via Skype with you this morning and record an episode from halfway across the world, and we can exchange Mm. education and information, right? So, and at the same time, like, it's important to look at what you were raised with and what might have happened when you were young and how it contributes to your parenting. Let's chat for a hot sec, openly and honestly, about what your discipline toolkit looks like in your home right now. If you're anything like most parents, you're relying on the hand-me-down set you inherited. Timeouts, spankings, threatening of spankings, taking iPads away, 3-2-1 countdowns, groundings, taking away toys, e-bikes, iPhones, any or all of those kind of tactics that create a total relationship strain and don't even work long-term to end your child's misbehavior for good. Meaning, you might spank your child or send them to timeout today for being, air quotes, mean to their sister or disrespecting you, but then three days from now, they're repeating the same misbehavior, which causes you to flip your lid because you know they know better. I want to help you learn a new way so you could end the vicious cycle that's keeping you stuck as a parent and causing you to feel super frustrated that nothing is working to get your strong-willed, stubborn child to behave better. My team and I have recently completely refreshed our Compassionate Discipline Quick Start Learning Bundle to help you learn a new way to teach your kids important life lessons, a new way to help your children learn from their mistakes and take responsibility for their actions. You can just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, and I'll personally send you a message with a link to download this free bundle. I'm going to help you shift out of a punishment mindset and into a compassionate discipline one where you fully trust that connection-based, firm and kind discipline tools are all you need to be a strong leader in your home who holds your kids responsible when they misbehave, but does it in a way where they are learning the vital life skills they are missing when they mess up. So again, just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free bundle now. I am so excited for you to shift out of feeling guilty and shameful when you lay your head on your pillow at night and shift into feeling confident and proud of the way you handled yourself as a parent, even when you were wildly triggered and upset about the mistake your child made. Okay, I'm excited for you to dive into this free resource. I'll see you in my DMs and inside the free discipline bundle. So do you have any encouragement for that idea of like, it's not disrespectful, it's actually beautiful, it's, it's he- healing generational wounds or, you know, ending painful generational cycles, um, and that is not disrespectful to your parents, that's actually moving forward and, and saying mm. thank you, um, thank you for doing everything that you could with what you had, and now I'm going to do everything that I can with what I have moving forward. Yeah, thank you for saying that. So, I mean, in order to really examine and interrogate uh, our early experiences, um, you know, a lot of people feel really disloyal to their parents to even admit, you know, actually that wasn't okay for me. 
And I think we can hold both, you know. Our parents were doing their absolute best with what they had and generally, you know, had been through much rougher experiences of childhood than than we did. Um, And we're doing a remarkable job considering the kind of trauma that they were carrying. Um, And, you know, we're we're post-Second World War. It's pretty rife that like most of our parents have have come from quite a difficult upbringing yeah um and so yeah I think we can hold you know they they were doing their best and um it's nobody's fault and it's okay to feel the places where it wasn't all right for us it's okay to voice those places and often to be able to recover from them we actually we need to to really acknowledge that um and I think because we are so loyal so dependent on our parents it's um it's fairly standard that we have a loyalty to them that we see that you know they did their best and they loved us and all was well uh when we were kids um, but as we start to kind of pick apart our early experiences, we notice more and more the places where there was a lack or where things were frightening. And yeah. a, a natural next step of that is to think about, you know, how different it could have been if only they were better resourced or able to respond differently to us. Yes, which is such a beautiful motivator. To, to get the support that you need to get the healing so then you can do it differently for your kids, mm-hmm. right? It can be a yeah. beautiful, beautiful mo- motivator. Um, okay, so that is so helpful to understand a little bit more. And again, just processing through my own story. So, of course, I have my own little um, collection of um, experiences as a child that I now can see were really intense with an older brother that... Um, was just really intense to grow up with. Mm -hmm. And then also, you know, my parents having their own, um, you know, things. And then later in life, I, I, when I went to have my daughter, um, she ended up, uh, not being the type of birth that I'd wanted, like that we had all expected. I know it was, and I never, you know, I never realized, and it's still so funny that it gets emotional. Here I am 12 years later. But I never realized how traumatic it was. So she was yeah. an emergency C-section. Mm. And then she was, I was in, she was an absent birth. So they had to knock me out cold. Mm-hmm. So I was unconscious. It was like a torn placenta, which now mm-hmm. knowing people who have lost children to that and their own lives, like, um, it's just crazy to think that we were so close to losing mm. our lives. And then mm-hmm. when I came out of it, it was like very like, okay, whew, we're alive everyone's okay. Let's move on now. And there wasn't Mm -hmm. anybody that ever came to me and said, Hey, just so you know, that was really traumatic. And your body's probably going to hold on to that. And I'm just now um, learning about that. So that's like, kind of a different experience of trauma, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But all of what we're talking about, I love, (laughs) I love the way you phrased it up of like, this is why parenting is so effing hard, because all of these experiences come in to how we we just react when our kids don't want to eat their breakfast or mm-hmm. they run into the you know off the sidewalk 
and or they you know they roll their eyes at you or they're fighting with Mm. their sibling like it's so it sounds so silly but it all like ends up having to do with one another because it's kind of it's triggering you know so talk to us about the second point you have so so why are trauma patterns Mm. sabotage our parenting and how we can work with them Mm. I just want to say I'm I'm really sorry that your daughter's birth went that way and it's a really big hurt when we we have a difficult birth with our babies and it's not the way we had it planned and it's a huge assault on your kind of very basic biological expectation and the bond between the two of you and um, yeah, it's a big thing that you've been through. Yeah, and also, um, but sorry to interrupt one more time before we go on, just so you mm. can know too, because I think our stories, who knows, might be similar, and and, it's, mm. and I want to hear more about yours too. Is so then after that birth, it went on to she developed colic really bad, so she had colic the first three months of her life, yep. and then God had blessed her with this amazing strong spirit that's like mm. a blessing to the world that we didn't get. Uh, support with and Mm. to see it in the right light until she was a toddler so it became like colic turned into holy smokes we have a really disobedient disrespectful Mm. stubborn sassy Mm -hmm. unruly out of control kid and that became our existence for the first really four years of her life Mm. so when I look back and I'm like whoa that was a lot of trauma (laughs) okay so now now yeah so it's completely understandable that you know colic is actually well colic is crying basically so babies who are trying to make sense and release the tension from a difficult birth experience will often go on to cry a lot in the first months or even first year of their life Uh, so she was trying to recover her body was doing something really clever there and then uh, the strong spirit is actually, you could also interpret that as um, a trauma pattern. So I was actually going to talk a little bit about trauma patterns. Yeah. Um, one of our, tra- I don't know, you must have heard of the the four Fs, fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. What's the, the last one? one? Fawn. Have you, have you heard of fawn? No, I haven't heard oh, that okay. one. I'll say more about that. Okay. But the, what I was thinking of in terms of your daughter was the fight pattern. Yeah. So she, as a, as a way of, a, as a coping mechanism, went into fight. So she was, um, you know, aggressive and obnoxious and um, yeah. disobedient and difficult uh, as, as a way of coping with the stress in her body. So, yeah. Probably almost, um, uh, probably helped her survive too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it was essential that she did that. It was very wise. Yeah. yeah. This is that's so, fa- I wrote an article about that when she turned 10. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. And so, because it's so true, right? Like, that's probably one of the reasons why she survived is because yeah. that wasn't no joke. Like, she basically, who knows, had no oxygen or had like, I, I think of it like she had to hold her breath, you know, for a long time. Like, yeah. whatever it was, it was not smooth. It was not like, here you go, baby. Welcome to the world. It was like, oh, mm-hmm. shit. I'm like, I'm about to die. I need to like, to, you know, and then all of that was so beautifully built into her body. This knowing on how to survive and how to fight and how to. But it's trippy to think of a, a newborn like that. But I do think that mm-hmm. her 
whatever she was blessed with as far as her strong will that later became helped me become a, an educator is one of the reasons why she probably survived. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, it's kind of all perfect when you look back at it. Yes, <laughs> it is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So what, so this, this comp, so patterns of trauma and how it might be cropping up in our life. Um, mm. Like how does it connect to the parenting? Like where does this all yeah. come hand in hand? So I've just been thinking a lot recently about how um, our trauma patterns show up in our parenting. So if you have a fight trauma pattern, probably when you're stressed with your kids, you get kind of controlling or um, coercive or you shout at them or you get kind of aggressive or mean or uh, set really rigid limits. Yep, familiar Um, with all those. (laughs) And and what's really underlying is the sense of powerlessness and panic that, you know, you don't feel powerful enough that you know that whatever needs to happen will happen. But actually, it feels like your child is more powerful than you in those moments where you're um, basically triggered into your trauma pan. Um, And then we have flight, which is where, you know, we're out of here. And whether that's kind of literally we're out of here, we, I don't know, take on a job where we're working all hours of the day so we never have to see our children. (laughs) I can can relate to doing that in different phases of my life. Um, Or or we're just really busy and we're not really present. We're kind of preoccupied or we just, whenever the kids are there, we seem to get very interested in doing the washing up or... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, talking to other adults instead of really being with them, or um, I'm trying to think of ways that we busy ourselves. I don't know if you can relate to that one. I think yeah. probably oh we gosh. all do a mixture of all of this. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, Nowadays with technology, phones and emails and text and you know yes. phone calls. Yeah, yeah. And then the freeze one, I would say. Freeze can also be where we reach for technology. So um, if you have freeze as your trauma pattern, when you get stressed, you just almost like you're paralyzed. You can't move. You can't speak up. You don't have a voice. Mm. Um, You leave your body. You're not really there. So you numb out. And we all do that many different ways with food or drugs or Facebook, um, reaching for technology, TV, video games. Uh, that's all quite freezy. And if you feel like you can't set any limits, um, probably you're in freeze. Like you can't Mm. speak out. You're just sort of, maybe your tendency is to get really permissive in those moments and just let anything go just so you don't have to deal with it because it feels too hard. Right. Um, And if you're freezy or if you're in flight, it's because you're frightened. It's because you're on a, you know, sort of unconscious level. Um, you're not not really feeling safe. Um, and then the fourth one I mentioned is fawn. Um, so fawn is where you get frightened and your trauma pattern is to instantly switch into fixing, appeasing. Oh. So this is where your kid throws a tantrum and you're like, okay, honey, all right, all right, I'll cut the toast the right way or, um, you know, you rush to make everybody happy and it can be so unconscious and so automatic that it happens before we've even taken a breath and thought about what we might need out of the situation. Um, and again, this is, 
usually developed in in fear so when uh maybe we've had a parent who was quite fighty in their trauma pattern and our um strategy for dealing with that it was to quickly fix everything so that we wouldn't get in trouble um i can certainly relate when when anyone around me uh gets cross i immediately go into fixing yeah so many listeners can relate to that yeah yeah. and me too yeah yeah it's like probably the helper in us too we think you know we can fix this we can like fast like make the make it go away yeah and I think it's actually one of the hardest ones to spot because it seems like we're just being you know caring and and kind (laughs) right um but actually we've kind of left ourselves we've left our own needs and we're acting out of fear we're not actually responding to the situation in front of us um it actually feels less safe to everyone else because we're not we're not um able to we're not in charge really we're not actually acting from our center we're not noticing what needs to happen in order for connection to prevail in this moment we're just fixing wow Um, and I just really want to say you know we don't get to feel bad about any of this Mm. this stuff is automatic it's wired in our brains from a really young age and you know I'm not talking about any of this as a you know to offer another stick to beat ourselves with it's right um it's it's helpful to bring awareness to these patterns i think so that we can then work on them and i think it's completely possible to shift this stuff um but yeah if it's you know the way that it is 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 that way for a reason and actually these strategies have kept us safe for a really long time and you know we can really thank them for that um yeah yeah that is beautiful that's such a great um distinction there Roma and and to make sure we say that because yeah we always talk about inside of our bonfire membership group where we get really vulnerable with this kind of stuff that awareness and acceptance has to go hand in hand like you can't have awareness be super high and then your self-acceptance not compassionate with yourself beating yourself up just wishing you were different um if that's down low and the acceptance yes. the awareness is up high you'll just be stuck in shame and not be able to move forward but when you are able to raise them both where you have the high awareness where you're like ah, oh, look at that i'm doing the fight mm-hmm. or the fr- flight fight flight freeze or fawn and I'm aware of some behavior that isn't truly in line with who I am. And it's probably because I'm feeling scared. Let's look at this. Let's uncover the root. Let's peel back the layers of the onion. And you do that with self-compassion and mm-hmm. um, an understanding of your nothing wrong with you. It's just yeah. your body's perfect, beautiful design. And now mm-hmm. that awareness is part of that beautiful, perfect design. And now you get to choose how you move forward. And, you, you know, just making sure I think people know that you've got to find the support system, right? You, it's like mm. you can't do it on your own. You, it's hard to do it on your own. you got to find the support system. Um, yeah. Families, I have a question for you. Would you love to be able to set really strong boundaries and rules with your children and then follow through with consistency and firm kindness? 
If yes, listen up. I have a program called the Firm and Kind Parenting Blueprint that I'd love for you to go check out. You can learn more over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Inside of this quick, easy to finish program, I'll teach you four steps to really setting those strong roles, but then following through in a way where you're using connection and firm kindness. And what I'll teach you will actually cause your children to want to cooperate with you because they truly respect you and value the rule and the boundary and understand how it serves them, not just something that they have to do or else. And it's just an incredible feeling when you go to bed at night knowing that you followed through on the rules and the strong boundaries in your home without relying on hand-me-down parenting tactics like fear, force, threats, yelling, harsh punishments that really create usually fear in your household, right? We want our children to listen to us because they respect us and because they understand why being part of the team, cooperating well, respecting rules, all those things, why that feels good as a human being. We want to do those things um, in ways that cause our children to want to respect us, not just because they're scared of us or our consequence. And that's exactly what I'm going to teach you inside this program. So again, head on over to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind to learn more. But in under an hour, this program will teach you some really effective strategies on how to create agreements with your kids instead of compliance statements, which is where a lot of parents go wrong and why their children don't end up respecting the rules or the agreements that they've made. And then I'm going to teach you how to use empathy. I'll teach you how to engage your kids' critical thinking skills when you tell them to do something and they say no. And then I'm also going to encourage you to understand how to empower your children. When children feel empowered, especially strong-willed kids, they will cooperate a whole heck of a lot easier, okay? So I want you to go learn about this program and let me now, if you have any questions, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Absolutely. This is just your own individual, unique version of freaky, right. beautiful <laughs> freaky that you are. And, you know, we all have our, our own version of that. And shame, you know, shame is the most immobilizing emotion. Mm. And yeah, often it feels quite safe to stick with shame and to kind of berate ourselves and keep ourselves down because we think that if we do that we're keeping ourselves safe because if we're hard on ourselves then we're going to behave better next time and and not do the bad thing that we're trying not to do but it actually doesn't work like that in reality because when we feel a lot of shame we actually become much more of a piece of work to everybody around us because we behave in even more freaky ways (laughs) Right. <laughs> when we feel bad about ourselves because we're so ashamed and we try and cover that up and yeah. we do all kinds of gymnastics in order to <laughs> prevent us from being prevent ourselves from being more vulnerable I suppose yes um, and so it's... actually much more straightforward is is just to really work on on allowing these beautiful freaky parts of ourselves really uh you know speaking to ourselves lovingly about this um is actually the recovery 
Yes. And I love, of course, how, you know, Dr. Brene Brown has proven this, right? Like it's all, this is a great conversation of like, you know, shame's not good. Shame doesn't work. It immobilizes you. It paralyzes you. But like, she's actually done the research, right? Mm -hmm. To prove Mm -hmm. it, which I love, you know, when you get to combine research with anything, because it's, it's just such a great motivator that like, don't hang on to it. Don't think that it's helping you. Don't just take our word for it. Like it really, really is going to prevent you from changing the behavior that you want to have. So I love Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you've already given us a ton, Roma, but practical guidance on how to recover from the impact of trauma on your day-to-day life. Because obviously now our awareness is high. We've talked about how our self-acceptance should be really high because we all have, I love that word freaky. (laughs) so awesome but now like what the heck do we do with all of this right Um, yeah 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 so the good news is that actually we we can recover from this stuff it's all a hundred percent recoverable and I think the amount the degree to which we can recover is proportional to how much resource we can create for ourselves and and I think For me, um, recovery only really started when I brought in uh, more and more resources. So my strategy had been very much freeze my entire life. Um, And my trauma was that I was in an incubator for the first five weeks of my life. So those, you know, fundamental weeks where you're supposed to be on your mother's skin and Um, you know, gazing into her eyes and being fed and the kind of contingent communication that happens between mother and baby was all completely void for me. For five weeks is an eternity for a newborn. Um, And that's had a really significant impact on me to the point where I'm now suffering this kind of neurological condition, which I think is probably related. Mm -hmm. Um, And my whole childhood and most of my adulthood had I'd just been completely numb. I, I didn't have any feelings. I was very chilled, easygoing. I didn't have strong opinions, you know. <laughs> Actually, I was chronically dissociated and in, the, in that freeze trauma pattern. And it was only when I found the hand-in-hand of parenting approach and started using their tall listening partnerships Uh, which I will uh, expand on a bit more, um, that actually this stuff started to come up and I started to have these trauma flashbacks, which were really intense at one point for a couple of years. Uh, A lot of the time I was quite unhinged and some of my friends were really concerned. (laughs) And I think it was just my body in kind of full-blown recovery mode. Um, so listening partnerships have literally transformed my life and now everyone in my life does them so everyone in my family my partner my sister my ex-husband all my friends literally all my friends do listening partnerships now um, because they've seen how transformational it was for me and everyone just wanted a piece of that Um, and I think yeah it's it's profoundly potent this this tool and it sounds very simple it sounds a lot like other things that we might have in place already 
but it's actually a really unique structure whereby two parents will exchange time to give each other really good, unhurried, warm attention. And we call this listening time. So you would take it in turns. Um, you split the amount of time you have available. You would set a timer. Um, you can do this with your friend or you can do it with someone that you've connected with just for the purpose of listening partnerships. And we have groups on Facebook for connecting with listening partners. Um, and, uh, yeah, you exchange listening time. So when it's your turn, you just speak about whatever's on your mind. You might rage about how your three-year-old is driving you demented and you just can't take another minute. Um, you might um, catastrophize about what's happening with your 13-year-old and all the things that are going to go wrong and why they're definitely going to be a serial killer. Um, you might um, you might talk about even things that are completely not related to parenting. You might talk about how frightening this pandemic is for you or right. um, how something at work is really using all your attention. Um and what tends to happen is that when we receive really good quality attention, so as a listener, it's your job just to delight in the person in front of you, just to see the best in them and know that, you know, however they are making sense of the world, it's their own unique brand of freaky and, you know, they're yeah. doing their absolute best and um, you're just really rooting for them. And when we receive little pockets of this kind of attention where somebody's just like, you're remarkable, I see what you're doing. You know? yeah. <laughs> Even if they're not saying that, but they're just beaming that at you, yes. uh, they might say it. Um, it's really uplifting to receive that quality of, of attention. It, it really adds to our sense of hopefulness as a parent. And as a side effect of receiving that quality of attention the body feels safe and when the body feels safe it goes into recovery mode so it starts releasing this kind of tangle of knotted emotion that it's been holding mainly in its kind of core and in its muscles and the fascia and I don't even know how this stuff works but I know how it feels <laughs> in my body and as a side effect of having this loving attention this kind of attention that we really needed when we were kids and maybe didn't get quite enough of um, these feelings start to, to bubble up and the body goes into its innate recovery uh, mode, recovery system, which is actually through emotional release. So it's no accident that um, our bodies go into uncontrollable shaking and sobbing and crying and water spurts out of our eyes and you know, when we're frightened, we shake, and when we uh, need to release, we sometimes laugh uncontrollably, or um, sometimes when we're frightened, we sweat, or um, yawning is another really good physiological release. And these things tend to happen more and more the safer we feel, the more we receive this quality of attention. And as we do that, we kind of unravel and... Um, quite often the experience we're having right now so this kind of rage at my three-year-old who's driving me insane will remind me of something from when I was little yeah. maybe if I had I don't know made a mess with the paints the way that they're doing um 
the reaction would have been quite scary um or maybe uh, i don't know some some memory is being triggered by this particular situation that is is you know really bringing up feelings for me um so gradually as we chip away on our kind of day-to-day emotional content we're also chipping away on this deeper layer of uh, kind of latent, unresolved uh, stuff from childhood, which is the one that's driving all these trauma patterns that is kind of um, where all our automatic reactions are rooted. Wow. This is so powerful, this learning about how active listening, or would you agree that a synonym would be kind of holding space you know, that's kind of a term that, you know, you hear a lot from Brene Brown, and we, we use that term in our life coaching organization, Your Infinite Life. But I, I love that this can be used as a almost a way to heal from trauma. Because mm-hmm. I've been kind of, as I'm learning about trauma, I've been trying to like gather the resources, right? I always recommend like, here's all these things you can do to heal from it. But it always feels like it's kind of big like you got to go to a class or you got to find a good Mm. therapist or you got to join a Mm. program or you got to book six sessions with Roma or Wendy or whatever it is (laughs) but this is like you find somebody who can commit to listening to you maybe three times a week for three minutes and you do the same for them and just see what comes out see if you Mm. like can get comfortable uncontrollably ugly crying in front of somebody Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just see what happens that that could send your body into a healing pattern like that right there is so powerful and something that probably every human being on this planet should be incorporating into their their lives yeah it's accessible it's widely available it's you know it's free you can have as much of it as you want it's a sort of infinite resource really right um and you know i think it's worth mentioning that there are lots of wonderful modalities through which you can work on trauma you know things like somatic experiencing and emdr and neurofeedback and um i don't know i can't even think um but you know there are wonderful trauma therapies tre trauma release exercise um but what i love about listening partnerships is that you know anyone can use this people from all different backgrounds if you can find someone that you think could be a good listener that you can feel safe with to exchange some time with and you know three minutes is great but even you could go for like half an hour each and you can really get into stuff um and if you've got a lot going on if you've got a lot of trauma to wade through like I did you could schedule these every day and I actually did do that for about six years (laughs) right um and I also wanted to highlight that there's something different about this particular way of holding space that's different to therapy Mm. or counseling um, because you have a mutuality. You are listening to one another. So um, it's partly that you have a space in which you can just offload all the tension in your body and chip away at all that old stuff bit by bit. But it's also the connection that you receive through creating this kind of relationship. So we recover from trauma through our relationships and having these little pockets of connection where you've got this meaningful conversation, deeply touching conversation with another human who is taking a risk to be vulnerable and show you a little bit about themselves and you're doing the same. It builds this, this kind of 
um, yeah, this quality of um, tenderness and um, authenticity uh, that I think we we just need that to thrive it's it's such good medicine for all of us we all crave that really even if it feels also a bit frightening um and it's beautiful. so it's the combination of, of the, having the attention and allowing that offloading process but it's also the connection that you get and um neurobiologist dan siegel talks about the wounded healer phenomenon which is that part of our recovery from trauma is through seeing ourselves as useful. So you're taking it in turns to be the kind of messy, broken, you know, all over the place um, one in the dynamic, and then you're switching into the role where you are the calm, regulated. You're actually offering your brain for them to piggyback on because our brains sync up all the time and are constantly adapting and mirroring each other. Um, you're taking it in turn to be the regulated brain that's offering the resource to the other one so that they can fall apart. And through taking turns to be that witness, you develop this internal witness where in moments where part of you is freaking it out and losing it, there's also part of you, you've kind of built this muscle for witnessing that knows, actually, this is just feelings moving through my gosh Um, yes eventually you're holding space for yourself you don't even need your listening partner yes I can almost because we do so much fun stuff within my bonfire membership group and -hmm. we have families from all over the world inside of this group and I can see us building this in in this most beautiful way and like you just said it there at the end like I don't even know if you would have to like eventually you could just do it you could just as long as you had a space where you know people will listen and you feel safe to offload that could probably be pretty pretty darn powerful too Mm -hmm. so I'm like excited about how we're gonna my mind is going crazy with how we're gonna build this into (laughs) my membership group it's amazing yeah Yeah. wow I feel like we could have done a whole episode just on that Roma that's amazing yeah well I'm really happy to help if you need any more information on that um Please tell me before we finish if my trauma adult brain has forgotten anything really glaringly obvious. No, you've been amazing. <laughs> I just I want to hang out with you all day long because <laughs> I love that like what you we started to touch on there at the end about like I you know I know Dan Siegel kind of talks about this. I haven't um, I haven't gotten super into his work, but I've interviewed enough people that I'm like, gosh, he's amazing. But the idea of like um, brain mirroring and energy, uh, like uh, contagiousness. And I just, I want to like your your energy and you're just so calm and beautiful. And I could just feel like I feel your heart is so beautiful and wide open and incredible. And um, it's just been so much fun to talk to you for the last hour, Roma. And so tell listeners where they can find you as we wrap up this episode. Um, You know, what are your offerings and and where can they find you if they want to get to know you a little bit better? Um, I've been writing a little bit about trauma on Facebook this month and probably next month. Um, so you can find me, I think it's Roma Norris Hand in Hand Parenting UK. Okay. Uh, if you want to follow that kind of information. Um, my website is birthingabetterworld.co.uk. Beautiful. Uh, 
Yeah, and, that's how you find me. And you have a full full blog post article that you wrote on this subject, right? Oh, Why yeah. is parenting so effing hard? That is yeah. really beautiful too. And they can find that through your website on your blog. Is that right? Yeah, it's on my blog. It's um, it's about how the transition to parenthood might be a trigger for complex trauma. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you want to read more about that kind of thing, have a look there. Wonderful. Well, listeners, mm-hmm. make sure um, you go give Roma some love. Find her on Facebook. And um, thank you, Roma. Thank you so much for spending time with us this morning. What you are doing to help families and parents is absolutely deeply inspirational. And I have found it just to be an honor to sit with you for this last hour and just soak up all your wisdom. So, oh, well, likewise, so Wendy. It's it's been gorgeous to be with you and. Um, yeah, thank you so much for all the important work that you're doing and that, you know, you've been led to through through all manner of adversity yourself. Um, yeah, thanks for giving me the opportunity to chat about this kind of stuff. It's always fun to find another trauma nerd to kind of riff with on this. <laughs> yes. So um, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, Roma. Thanks. Have a great day. All right. <laughs> For links and more info about everything we talked about in today's episode, head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash 93. For more information, go to freshstartfamilyonline.com. Thanks for listening, families. Have a great day. All right, listeners, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. As we wrap up here, don't forget to DM me the word shift or head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free discipline quick start learning bundle. You'll get immediate access to download our extensive learning guide where I'll share five ways you can ditch the old school hand-me-down punishment mindset beliefs and thoughts that are causing you to react like a volcano volcano instead of respond like the firm, kind, respectful teacher you are at your core. And then you'll also get immediate access to my on-demand workshop where I'll teach you our three core Fresh Start family strategies that make up a strong, compassionate, disciplined toolkit, as well as my favorite logical consequences that not only work with kids of all ages, but do wonders to unite you with your child and strengthen your relationship, even in your kid's worst moments. So pop on over to Instagram right now and just shoot me a DM with the word shift and I'll send you a personal link to download that bundle right away. Or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to get access immediately. All right. Thanks for listening and I'll see you inside that free bundle and also inside the next episode.